Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the Fat Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food and real results. On the show today is Jennifer Ezerlow, the best-selling author of Fifty Shades of Kale and The Healing Slow Cooker, among over 20 other books. Jennifer is a certified yoga teacher, Reiki practitioner, and professionally trained chef whose clients include Jerry Seinfeld, as it turns out. And today she's here discussing nutrition, meditation, adaptogenic foods, and even ancient alchemy. But before we get there, here's a review for the podcast that just came in from Erin. She says, great podcast. I always seem to gleam a good tip or two from Abel's podcast. He has great energy and brings diverse groups of people with relevant health info to his podcast. Very informative and helpful for anyone that wants to improve or take their health to a new or the next level. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for the review. Uh, you know, Every time I get one of those, it gives me a little spark to keep creating for you guys. And right now, I'll just say, uh, for the past few weeks now, we've been stockpiling new episodes of this show to release in the next few weeks. And and for a while there, we've been, uh, originally, I was rele releasing this show at a weekly clip every week, you know, so more than 50 shows a year. Um, but obviously, this is a health show, and I try to uh, be a good example for others, especially other performers and creators and, and people, uh, you know, coaches, people on that side of things who largely create their own schedule because burnout is a real thing, especially now. You've got to be good to yourself. So anyway, suffice it to say, uh, originally this was coming out every week. Then for a while there, I switched to bi-weekly, going out a couple of times a month. But we're going to be switching to weekly episodes of this show once again for a big burst here, especially as I release my new book, The Designer Babies Project, and uh, as we release all of this crazy virtual reality and, and these other projects that we're working on, we're going to be ramping things up. So the best way to keep in touch is go to fatburningband.com, uh, put your best email address in there, make sure that you're signed up for the newsletter, and if you'd like to get in touch yourself, please just reply to the email that I send to you. And uh, that email address is able at fatburningman.com. Let me know how you're doing. Uh, whether you've been struggling for a while and you have a question or you've experienced, uh, you know, a lot of progress or great results that you'd like to share, then please don't be shy. I do this because, uh, you know, I, I love being in touch with, with all of you. And if there's anything that I can pass along that helps, it's uh, it's always great to be able to chat. If you'd like to support this show, please go to fatburningman.com. Check out our shop. We've got a bunch of books and courses there. Lots of exciting new projects coming up as well. And then if you're into health supplements, please visit wildsuperfoods.com. This is our own project, our own family business. We just launched it in the past year. It's been going really well. People seem to really like it, and we're growing a nice tribe and community of people who are in our subscribe and save program, so they get the monthly nutrients, but also that means we're able to make our 24-7 uh, health coaching community, the Fat Burning Tribe, free as part of that. So uh, if you're interested in any of that, and right now only in the U.S., hopefully, you know, across the pond uh, soon enough, 
please visit wildsuperfoods.com. Help support us there. And then if you're into more of the, the artsy and, and crazy projects that we're into, be sure to check out abeljames.com. That's A-B-E-L. Okay, on to the show with Jennifer Ezerlo. You're about to learn how she landed her gig with the Seinfelds, the truth about being gluten-free, how to make delicious meals in the slow cooker, a simple trick to finally start meditating daily, and tons more. Let's go hang out with Jennifer. All right, folks, please welcome to the show Jennifer Ezerlow, the best-selling author of 50 Shades of Kale and get this, 24 other books. Jennifer is also an emotional healer, alchemist, and professionally trained chef whose clients include Jerry and Jessica Seinfeld. Thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Right on. So we obviously have to start with the Seinfelds. What the heck was that like? I have all sorts of ideas in my head of what it might have been like, but yeah, <laughs> walk us through yeah. it. I mean, I think, you know, my whole path to becoming a chef was a really mind-blowing experience. You know, I come from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, from an island in the Ohio River where, oh, wow. you know, there were 200 people in my community. We knew everything. I was definitely a small town girl. I never expected the explosive experiences uh, that happened to me in New York City that happened to me when I moved here. And, uh, you know, really, I just started out my culinary career. I thought maybe I'd work in some little bakery or maybe have my own catering business. And then when I went to culinary school and started interning, I mean, it was just like jumping through a hoop of fire. And one day I'm working in this amazing restaurant. I'm working prep and, you know, working with all these guys. I was in the restaurant business for almost three years. And next thing I know, I'm private chefing for celebrities. And, you know, things kind of happen, I think, magically for me. And sure. I always think of, um, I know a lot of people know that saying, follow your bliss. Um, and I'm obsessed with Joseph Campbell. So Joseph Campbell's the one who coined that. And he's just this master of comparative religion mm -hmm. and and you know synchronicity and magic and all these things and at the time i was watching a lot of joseph campbell and he says that when you're following your bliss and food definitely was my bliss that these magical helping hands come to help you so you know that would be the most bizarre connections i'd be working in a kitchen and then they'd say oh you know we love your work we're going to hook you up with an internship then i'd be working for tyler florence from the food network and a lot of times these opportunities would come and i wouldn't know who the people are and i'd get there and it would be like this thing and i'd be like sick to my stomach i'd be like how's this stuff happening to me yeah and, uh, yeah i actually met the seinfelds through replacement service and it, you know all these things happened to me in what i consider a very random way but when i look back on it i was like i guess you know it was those magical helping hands and also you know my desire my passion around food and also my desire to help people heal yeah, it's almost like inevitable in retrospect sometimes when you look back at what's happened, right? It's uh it may it may be magical to people around you, but like you you can tell that you're on the right path when those things start happening because it's not just that, right? Like you've had an incredible career from what I've read and how I've been uh researching your work and keeping busy the past couple of days. It's really fascinating and wonderful, but some of the things that really stuck out to me that we'll definitely talk about today are some of the uh interest in ancient alcohol me, how to combine spiritual practice with your work in the kitchen or in life. But let's start with the fact that
fact that you work with a lot of busy people and, and coaches. We have a lot of people who are coaches and certainly professionals who listen to this. So uh, it, it's, it seems harder and harder than ever in today's world to keep your head on straight. And if you don't you know, have that down, if you don't have the mental spiritual thing down, it's a lot harder for your diet and lifestyle factors to fall into line. So how do you help p- people juggle and manage all of this? Yeah, right. And I think that's where, you know, things get sticky. And I always think of those silly cartoons that people are posting where it's like the guy's writing the health blog and he's smoking cigarettes right. and drinking nonstop. And, <laughs> right. you know, sometimes people in this space, you know, we feel like that. And the reason why is because, you know, we're renegades, we're revolutionaries, we're trying to change the tide of all the sickness and things that are going on in the world right now, and including the pollution and the, you know, the damage to nature. And so, you know, what's important for me in my health coaching practices, you know, I'm very blessed that I get to work with some amazing healers. And a lot of these healers need emotional support and we need emotional support more than anyone else Mm -hmm. because we're helping to heal other people and we're holding space for them and we're helping them heal with their bodies, with their mindset. But we also have to make sure we're holding it together. And the other side of it is that a lot of us run cash-based practices. So I'm a health coach. Everything is cash-based. I also have to be an entrepreneur. I also have to do Facebook and Instagram and do videos. And it's a hustle. It's a lot. So you're usually working two two full-time jobs together and it can make you feel like you're being torn apart. So a lot of the work I do in health coaching and I work with integrated and functional medicine practitioners. And a lot of these people are doctors. They're either naturopathic doctors, they're MDs, but they also have training in root cause resolution medicine, Mm -hmm. which is functional medicine. And they're integrating practices like lifestyle food is medicine, but they also need handholding and help because they have such a heavy burden to bear. So a lot of what I tackle is how can you dovetail practices to make it easy? How can you release the things you feel guilty about? How can you find a meditation practice that works for you so you can keep your head on straight? And how can you also integrate things like CBD and adaptogenic foods and spiritual practices like yoga and shamanism and visualization and things from those ancient technologies to keep your head from exploding. (laughs) And believe me, as a chef, as an author, my first time on TV was on the Today Show. I have had every scary thing in the book happen to me. Like, (laughs) I totally get it. I know where these, you know, the coaches and the practitioners are coming from. But really what it's all about is the mindset is is king. So that's the first place you have to work. And then you balance in with these foods and other practices. What about, and especially working with a lot of healers what about the resistance to the woo what about people who are just like well there is nothing more than what we can see in material reality or or something like that yeah that is actually starting to melt away and this is Is one of the yeah this is one of the biggest lessons i've learned from alchemy so alchemy is everywhere and people are obsessed about you there people are obsessed with alchemy they just don't know it so harry potter is completely based on the process of going from the nerdy kid to the superstar and that idea of turning your own personal lead, whether that's chronic disease, autoimmune, in my case, IBS and obesity, um, since obesity runs in my family, or changing your lead mindset. So that crappy negative mindset into something that's gold and elevated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times this transformation doesn't happen until you balance the bigger picture, which is your body, which is one thing, and then the woo, which is the emotions and the mindset. So when you explain to people that emotions have a huge biological impact on your body, 
cortisol release, what kind of food uh, you pick, which doctors you go to, how much money you spend on your health. Then the woo isn't all of a sudden this kind of hokey thing that, that doesn't matter to your health. So it's how the understanding of how these non-tangible things actually have even a bigger impact on your life than food. But food also plays a huge role. So what alchemy teaches is you have to balance these three pieces. And when you see things in spiritual traditions, the triangle, this symbol, for example, that's what that triangle is. The body, the soul, or the emotions, the mindset, or the spirit. So the spirit's like, what's your spiritual goal? So spiritual goals for doctors, that's their whole life. So you can't discount that. That's what they're doing spiritually. Mm -hmm. So when I coach people, I really explain to them, you've already got your spiritual practice tapped down. Just sprinkle a little meditation on there. But if your spiritual practice is unbalanced, for example, you're doing a job you hate or you're doing a job that hurts people and you feel guilty about that, then you're going to be sick. If you're too focused on the food, you're going to be an orthorexic because you're going to be freaked out about what you put in your mouth every day. Yeah. You're going to be sick with that. If you're too soulful and you're too attached to the physical, like a lot of chefs I worked with, then you're going to be fat, unhealthy, tired because you're eating and drinking all the wrong things. So that equation has to be balanced. And two legs of the, that equation are, are what scientists considered woo, mindset and emotions. So, you know, I think a lot of, you know, integrated doctors now are really understanding the power of emotions and healing. And we have people like Dr. Joe Dispenza. I mean, his book, Supernatural. Oh my God. Like he talks so much about that, but I'm a person of science also. And alchemy is that blending of science with spiritual practice. And that's what our old science, that's what our old doctors used to be like Paracelsus. When he created a zinc ox, he created a zinc compound to heal wounds. He was also going hardcore deep into meditation, but he was doing this meditation practice on his own, and he was really against what tradition, the traditions of the church were teaching, because in those traditions you weren't allowed to go inside, you weren't allowed to contact the divine directly. Right. So a lot of these renegades, like Paracelsus, Newton, and Einstein were already studying the spiritual science of alchemy. But how I use it, I'm kind of, I would say that the, the diet alchemy version is, you know, the lighter version is how can I take this to teach people how to access it in an easy way for their own balanced healing. Well, and to use a few scientific buzzwords, even science is showing that a lot of this ancient alchemy stuff has a lot more to it than previously thought, like epigenetics, neuroplasticity. These concepts show that any given time, right now, for example, your thoughts are going to change literally the way that you're wired in your brain and, and physiology, and uh, it's going to change the way that your DNA operates in your body, the genes that you have. And, and I know that you're actually going through a little bit of that investigation yourself right now. So could you fill people in? Um, because I hadn't even heard about this test that you just went through. Yeah. So, um, you know, my husband and I fell down, I was called the rabbit hole of functional medicine about five years ago and this community totally embraced us. So, you know, I do a lot of support on the emotional coaching and food end and he does the tech side with evolution of medicine, which is a business leg, um, basically the business side of how to teach functional medicine practitioners, how to make more money in their practice. 
But when we were working with these amazing healers, like these guys outed us, they were like, dude, you haven't had testing. And, you know, one of the ideas behind functional medicine, which to me is modern alchemy is test, don't guess. So what this means is a lot of traditional doctors that are covered under healthcare are not doing the correct tests because healthcare deems them preventative and they don't cover the testing. And honestly, the testing is not that expensive. I think I spent around $1,500 for everything. And you, know, you do have to pay out of pocket, but the value is enormous because when I got tested the traditional way for gluten, they said, no, you don't have a sensitivity. And that was covered by my healthcare. When I got tested with a proper test from a functional medicine practitioner, I found out I do have gluten sensitivity because gluten has hundreds of proteins that aren't charted by the cheaper test. So this is why it's so important to get testing. So to backtrack a little bit, we'll I'll touch in the epigenetics in a second, but there's actually a multitude of tests that I feel everybody, everybody should get. The first one is called the GI map, the test whether you have wiggly worms like parasites, candida, which is yeast infection. I had streptococcus, staphylococcus, camphobacter, wow. which is from raw chicken, blah, just feasting in my gut. My whole gut was inflamed. So I did not know this, even though I eat a clean paleo diet, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. exercise, I don't smoke, I limit my drinking. So I was starting to feel fatigued in my 40s. I didn't know why. My thyroid, my blood work was fine. I was like, what the heck? So I found out I had these wiggly worms. Then it's really important to get the organic acid test, which tells the practitioner how well you process fats, carbohydrates, and uh, proteins. So this means if you don't process carbs well, like my husband, he's the skinny fat guy where he's skinny on okay. the outside, fat on the inside, triglycerides, 800, tri 1800 triglycerides, which is like, ah, doctors freak out when they hear that. We put him on a ketogenic diet, two months, everything is clean. I process wow. carbohydrates okay, so I can do a little bit more in the paleo realm with my carbohydrates. And, you know, the other tests include, you know, things like epigenetics. There's three hormone tests that women should get. So I'm on the second leg. I've already done um, the organic acid test and the GI map. But now I'm working with a genetics test that is more intensive compared to something like a 23andMe. 23andMe is great. Uh, you can also pump that into something like Genetic Genie and, and learn a little bit more about your genetics. But when you do something like you nutrients test, nutrients test, I'm sorry, I'm saying it wrong, nutrients, it gives you a 70-page report of detailed information on how you actually, how well you sleep, how you process or get rid of hormones, if you're apt to have Alzheimer's later on. I mean, you have to kind of be gutsy to get these tests too because then yeah. you see genetic predispositions towards things. Now, I have all the cards stacked against me in every way possible. I have the slow gut bugs. I had all that crap in my gut. Um, almost every single family member of mine is obese. But now that I look at the genetics, it makes sense of why. But they also have a poor diet. Mm -hmm. But what people don't realize is if you eat correctly and you do a little advanced biohacking, you can turn the tide of your genetics and you can actually change the way your genetic code is expressed. So what's, what's really interesting for me right now, and I find this to be very synchronistic and very alchemical, is that I have several girlfriends who are at various stages of breast cancer. One of them is in stage four, which is so terrifying to me right now. And as I'm going through this emotional pain of this, 
I do a Facebook Live with a doctor, Tara Scott, who's out of Akron, Ohio. She's an OBGYN and a functional medicine practitioner. And of course, she outs me again. She's like, we got to look at your hormones, girl. Send her over the genetic testing. And she's like, dude, you store estrogen in your muscles. This is really bad. This is how tumors come about. You do not have the gene that creates glutathione, which is the mother of all detoxifiers, which means basically I have troubles detoxing stuff. I have other genetic um, dispositions that means I keep estrogen in my body. I turn my testosterone into estrogen, Ah, estrogen overload. So this means that I need to work with a practitioner like herself that maybe I need progesterone and uh, maybe I need to make some health uh, lifestyle changes. Now, fortunately, the two foods that help me the most are the two foods I champion for me, which is grapefruit and kale. And those are the two things. So I think intuitively, I kind of knew there was something going on on some level because those are the two foods I'm energetically attracted to. But I may need the helping hand of a practitioner to really help to figure out the personal puzzle of me for prevention and also to help me with my energy levels and to avoid things like breast cancer in the future. So how do you help other people admit that they may not be perfect and have problems like like this? Because like you said, it takes a bit of, of courage to kind of go on this journey where it's like, I'm going to figure out what's wrong with me. It's it's not something that a lot of people wake up and want to do. Absolutely. And, and I think for me, you know, facing all these scary demons. And and this is what, you know, people like uh, Carl Jung, who's just such a hero to me, and he was a disciple of Freud. And, you know, they say he's a great psychiatrist and psychologist. He created introvert, extrovert, art therapy, all these great things. I think that dude was a badass shaman. (laughs) He was like, he would heal people in the most extraordinary of ways. You know, a woman would have a dream about a scarab or a beetle, and then he would turn his head and there'd be a tap at the window and he'd open the window and a beetle would fly into his hand and he would put it in her hand. So, you know, what I've learned from, from working with healers and shamans and yogis is that it's all about connecting energetically with people, a little hand holding, holding space. That means you're listening to people, but also giving people permission to bear their souls. So I do something called shadow work, which means I'm going into the dark, you know, and that's when we talk about alchemy, turning lead to gold, you know, it's not literal. I mean, yes, it is literal in some ways where you see the transformation after you're like, gosh, I was in a crappy dark place, but I'm going into the lead of where people are and I can go there because I've been there. I've been there in so many different ways and I've been able to heal myself through many modalities, but also through help of other healers. So I've been exactly where they are. And there's something that happens energetically between me and the person. I mean, I feel like if they cry during a session, that's the best thing that could possibly happen because there's an immediate opening. And I know sometimes when I go off to do a health coaching session, my husband says, okay, honey, have a good day. Make someone cry. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, it's about connecting with people and letting people to release their pain. But also because I'm there in a place where I'm not judging. People are like, oh, I used to drink crazy. Oh, my, you know, I have I have physical abuse. Oh, my family were alcoholics. Girlfriend or boyfriend, I have been there. Like, it's not about judging. Everybody has something dark that they need to transform. But until you go into those dark places, it never gets transformed. The other thing people don't realize is a lot of their magic, a lot of their gold is in the dark. 
So this means when we're forbidden to do things as children, like my parents were very blue collar. They never wanted me to be a chef. They never wanted me to be an artist. They basically forced me to go to school to study business. I was miserable. I went against them. I became a chef. They were devastated. Um, and a lot of things I've done, they've been like, what are you doing? You're messing up your life. But they create, you create a shadow around that. So to me, to be an artist had a little bit of a dark connotation. And I think that's why I went into the underworld of becoming a chef. And I kind of connected with some of the, the, the bad boys of the chef world mm. when I was there. Cause I was like, man, like it felt renegade to me, but what you understand is some of your talents are hiding out. And the more you accept your dark, the more you can broadcast the light. Are there any examples of that you'd like to share? Uh, and what specifically in my own journey or yeah, like the dark, I remember before we started recording this, like for example, drinking too much in the restaurant scene, like I was a musician and, and, uh, hung out a lot with bartenders and restaurant scene people and like, man, they can drink, <laughs> you know, that's just one example. Yeah. So I think when I was first seduced by, and I'll say seduced by the restaurant business, you know, I came out of culinary school. I was 30 when I changed careers. So this was many, many moons ago, but you know, I had left, led a pretty conservative life and, uh, you know, I was, you know, just kind of dazzled by the glamor of the restaurant business. So in the front, it's very glamorous patrons coming and I worked in one of the you know top restaurants in New York City. Some of them were number two or number seven in the Zagat Guide. But in the back end, it was very dirty. So it was like me working with people. A lot of the guys I worked with had spent a ton of time in jail, a lot of illegal immigrants, nice guys, but very dark. And I had to be very tough to be in that industry. But I grew up in a really tough neighborhood in Pittsburgh. And, you know, the way I was raised, I worked in a deli, I worked in the cleaning truck stops. You know, I didn't grow up in, in the kind of the glamour part of the yeah, restaurant. Cleaning truck stops doesn't <laughs> fall underneath glamour, I don't think. <laughs> I was a rough and tumble person, but I think where I got myself in big trouble was, you know, I was also seduced by, you know, the drinking. And let's mm -hmm. face it, like when you're a cook, it is the most high pressure job you could ever possibly imagine. And also because, you know, I was the only woman, woman in a lot of those restaurants. So the foul language, you know, the knives, I'd be burning myself and I'd be working these grueling days. It'd be 12 hour days. I'd be wielding a knife all day, you know, sweat like crazy. You're on your feet for 12 hours. You're lifting buckets. You're putting your hand down dirty, dirty drains. But I was there because I love the food so much. And I saw things in the New York City kitchens that I did not see any anywhere else. And that's where I learned about farm to table. But then after, you know, I'd watch all the chefs and the cooks, we'd be drinking and, you know, we'd be guzzling alcohol, but we'd be drinking hundred dollar bottles of champagne and 40 year old bottles of scotch. And it was just part of the industry. And there were certainly drugs there as well. I mean, fortunately that was something that didn't attract me, mm -hmm. but I think because a lot of the family, my family members were alcoholics and I come from a long line of that. I had a genetic predisposition. So after about three years of that, I really saw just a ton of wear and tear in my body. And I had kind of a it wasn't a breakdown, but I sort of saw where I was like, I can't live like this anymore. 
every bone in my body hurt, my elbows. I felt like some days I was just keeping it together. I was so exhausted. I couldn't see straight. I was sleeping maybe five hours a day. And then I think, you know, everything kind of just came to a standstill for me when I got my blood work done and I was pre-diabetic. I had problems with my thyroid and I was like, God, I got to stop all this drinking and all this silliness. But this was also before I realized I had the gluten intolerance. And, you know, after I worked in restaurant businesses, uh, the restaurant industry, I did calm down with the drinking, but then I was working for celebrities and I was doing TV too. So I was probably working around 80, sometimes 90 hours a week. Sometimes I was working 70, seven days a week and I would take one to two days off a month and I was tearing myself apart. And that's where I sort of receded back from that life. And I got out of TV and I just really, you know, went into writing for doctors and writing. And I did have a time where I was kind of a hermit, but I think I needed that so that I wouldn't destroy my health. And, you know, I'm sort of coming back now into getting into media more, but I'm in a totally different place. And I think I've done my dark work with alcohol. I still drink, but maybe I have one to two drinks a week. Ah, Do I miss it? Heck yeah. But my body feels amazing. And, you know, you just sometimes you have to give up the dark, certain dark things, but you have to make friends with them. They never go away. Yeah. How do you uh, how do you manage that? Because I, in recent shows we've talked about uh, how some people are able to moderate and others kind of aren't, you know. And and how do you navigate that for your own? You know, you know, I I love drinking wine and I love drinking booze, but I don't love the way I feel the next day. And uh, I also don't detoxify well, and that's a genetic thing. And so, like, once you kind of are armed with this knowledge about yourself then you have to make the decision, like, where do I go from here? And there are always other alternatives, right? But I think it's really important to not be, not say that you are the person who used to work in that restaurant, the hard drinker who can put up with all these hard guys, right? At some point, you need to say, okay, that maybe that's a piece of me. But there's, there's more there. And I need to grow. Yeah, what I came to realize that, uh, you know, I was the super sensitive person that was using alcohol to deal with the fact that I was overwhelmed. Yeah, and to me also too. understand that I had gifts and I was afraid of showing the world my beauty with those gifts sure, because sure. I wasn't raised like that. And I was like, it's not me. And the, and the universe was saying, it's you, girl. And I was like, no, it's not. So I'm going to cover it up with with alcohol because I don't believe in myself. So you see the two sides of that coin and that's what the yin and yang symbol is. You know, you got to understand that. So there's two ways to balance the dark. And when I do shadow work, I look at this. So I think for some people, they have the easy way where they have a near-death experience or they're touched by an angel. And I've talked to chefs, actually, I was just talking to a chef last week about this, that he fainted and he felt like his bones came out of his body and he was in a rehab and he was addicted to heroin alcohol, emotional eater, uh, his zodiac sign is cancer like me. We're sensitive people, man. And he had an epiphany. And what happened to him is he never touched drugs or alcohol after that. So he was very fortunate that he had, you know, kind of this spiritual thing happen to him very suddenly. But what do you do if that doesn't happen? Now, in my case, I think because I was, I did it kind of the slow burn way as I studied um, yoga for 15 years, I became certified, I've worked with a lot of healers. And it took a while, probably took about two years to get rid of my emotional attachment to alcohol. And it's still kind of there. But if your emotional attachment is such that you cannot stop, then you have to go to a shaman 
or to a mega healer. And the guy who actually started Alcoholics Anonymous, and by the way, that symbol comes from alchemy, the ring that they wear. And Alcoholics Anonymous and I, we're just like suction cup together, like people that have gone through that program because it's alchemy and they totally get it. And we have a natural synergy. So, you know, if you can't do it yourself, you have to go to a healer who's going to push you to those darker places of acceptance so that you can heal. And addiction is a really hairy thing. Mm-hmm. It's happening neurologically, it's happening physically, it's happening emotionally, but it typically starts because of some big or many big emotional events that you have not come to terms with, such as deep physical abuse, psychological abuse, pain of having a loved one ripped away from you too soon. It can be a myriad of things. And so when this takes hold in your brain and in your body, you become trained to have the addiction and you're not going to just break it overnight, you know? So there's all kinds of amazing addiction specialists. Gabor Mate Mm -hmm. uh, is one of the guys I love. And he wrote that book called the hungry ghost. And uh, he talks about addiction and he did palliative care for people. He's just such an interesting doctor, but he's a master of addiction. A lot of people will walk the shamanic path with ayahuasca. If you do decide to go that path, I really caution you to make sure that you find a shaman who's a real shaman. Because if you're doing ayahuasca, which is basically there's a compound in it that's secreted in our brain when we die. So you have a death experience. But psychotropic plants can take you to those places because it's all about you getting your perception and your awareness in the right place and changing your brain chemistry. So it has to be an alchemical process. It's got to happen in three places. And things like ayahuasca can take you to those three places very quickly. Or you can study with alchemists or healers and take the slow burn route. But if you're dangerously addicted, like I wouldn't take on a client like that because I don't feel like they're in a safe place. Well, that's the tricky part, right? Because so often our uh, our emotions are compromised and we don't realize it or we've numbed ourselves to something, but we don't know that we've numbed ourselves to that. So we're in denial about having a problem there. How do you how do you see through that? I do it by feeling. Okay. So you have to work with somebody who's either an empath or somebody who's, who's a shaman or alchemist. And how do I, how do we do that? How do we get that skill by doing this deep sort of inner work? You know, when I pulled away from TV in the restaurant industry, I went into my little cave like a Yoda and I studied for 10 years and I studied alchemy for 10 years and I meditated every day for an hour You know, you got to go with someone who's hardcore because what happens is we can see what's happening. Now, I don't see auras or chakras, but shamans do. Why do they see them? Because they've done 30 rounds of ayahuasca. They can visually see, oh my gosh, you have lung cancer or oh my gosh, you've got parasites in your gut, in the microbiome, you know, or you work with a functional medicine practitioner who's both. You know, a lot of the practitioners I work with, and they're not going to be open about this. They've done plant medicine. They know. So it's, you know, you got to work with someone who can see. Now, what happens to me when I work with people, they're like, I can't believe I'm telling you this stuff. I don't even tell my husband or wife or my psychiatrist. Am I surprised? No, because I connect with people emotionally. They tell me all their dark stuff. I hold their hand. I don't judge them. And then I show them how to deal with the dark because I've dealt with my dark. And that's how it works. But you have to go to somebody that you're called to or that you feel a synergy with. How do you find those people? Through meditation, through prayer, through word of mouth, through talking to other people who've healed themselves of similar things that you're going through. Yeah. 
I just had this thought uh, the other day of not I've been meditating for long enough where it feels weird not to. And uh, I kind of liken it to not you can not meditate, but it's kind of like not taking out the trash of your own mind. You know, it starts like building up and then you smell it and you can't get away from it. But it would be as simple as just kind of like picking it up. And going out once a day, though, right? Like on a regular clip. So how do you encourage? I mean, it's a it's a great big buzzword. Lots of people have heard about it. But the problem is most people don't get it into their daily habits. So do you have any specific uh, ways of doing that with people you work with? I do. And the thing I tell everybody is unless you're meditating every day, the once a week thing isn't going to cut it. Mm-hmm. It's got repetition because meditation is like tennis for your mind, like a sport. So if you play a sport, you're a weekend warrior, what's going to happen? It's not going to work or you're going to get injured. You're going to get turned off. The injured part would be being turned off on meditation. So first, let me explain what meditation is because people don't really understand it. Um, People say it's mindfulness. It really isn't mindfulness. What it is, is it's focusing your mind in a way so you can release thoughts. It's an exercise for hyper-focus at first, and then you release the thoughts. When that happens, not only are you connecting to divine energy, but you're giving your own ego talk, negative self-thinking, the lead of alchemy, a rest. What's happening biologically is all your stress hormones come down, and that's the space you have to be in so that growth hormones can be secreted, so you can get the mega, mega healing. So people that meditate on a regular basis also get biological benefits. Now, why meditation is so important besides all that is also it gives you a different level of awareness because in every spiritual tradition, alchemy, yoga, all these spiritual sciences, and they're not religions, they're sciences, is they always say you have two minds, which may sound like, oh my God, a little crazy, but it's the idea is that you have what's going on with your ego concerns and sort of like what people say about you, who you should be, what you want, what you need, blah, blah, blah. And then your higher self, which is sort of like what's doing the right thing, what's my spiritual practice. And that's the side of yourself that kind of like helps that person when they're about to throw themselves off a cliff, that you sacrifice everything to help somebody else. So when you do a lot of meditation, you get into the higher self a little bit more. Now your higher self also isn't a perfect part either, but you're trying to develop that side of yourself more. Now, you don't want to kill the ego because we need the ego to function in society and we need the ego to take care of our bodies, which are the cars to our emotions and our mindset and our spirit, our soul and our spirit. So we need those things. But when we meditate on a regular basis and we're about to do something stupid, like say something unkind to somebody or get nervous because we don't feel like we're good enough to go you know, on this fabulous podcast or whatever it is, the higher self kicks in and is like, dude, you got some often awesome information to share. Just get, get your honey on there and deliver the information and help people. It's not about you. So that's why meditation is so important. Now the doorway into meditation is this stop making it a big deal and mm-hmm. stop being afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it going to take you probably a year of meditating every day to stop the voice in your mind? Yes. It's hard. It's hard. Otherwise everybody would be doing it all the time. How do you get started? Do five minutes every day. There's a lot of different types. You can do mantra where you say a word over and over again to focus the mind and get rid of the talk. Eventually you'll want to stop the mantra so you can just sit in complete silence without thoughts. That is the gold standard of where you want to get to. That's why we do the physical practice of yoga. 
to calm the body so we can sit and meditate. That's all asana is. Now in alchemy, we do other kinds of meditation practices. We do visualization to manifest things. We're mm-hmm. concentrating on that. We, you can listen to guided meditation. But to me, the best form of meditation is non-directive. You focus at once on whatever and you release. And when you release, later on when you come out of it is where you get these inspired ideas, answers to prayers. Now, meditation is not prayer. Meditation is making fertile ground for divine to come in. Prayer is where you petition the divine. So to me, even if you're religious, you should do meditation. It's making sort of opening yourself up to receive the answer to your prayer. Now, if you're not religious, totally cool. Let's say you're an internet marketer and you can't figure out a problem with your business. You do meditation to open up the idea of how you're going to make that product or that online product sell, or you're going to do the meditation so you can radiate what you need to radiate to attract the proper clientele by using the correct wordage. But this doesn't happen if you're fussing around down in your ego all the time. So this, but to me, this is how meditation for me helps practitioners and healers. And this also helps you from losing, you know, losing your mind where you feel like, how am I going to make a living and heal people and do the media and talk about my book and write the book and get the book deal? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And before I got into it, I was like, why would the goal be to do nothing? Why would you want to just like spend all this effort sitting down, taking time out of your life to do? That's the goal. That doesn't make any sense. But as I started doing it more and more, and it did take probably at least a year to start feeling comfortable and almost like the opposite of alone. When you're in deep meditation, you feel reassurance almost. You feel deep connection. And that's what it's supposed to be about. It's less about, you know... Some of this is just the problem with English or the way that we communicate. Like, it's not about doing nothing. That's not exactly what's happening, right? And so the, the best way, I think, for people to kind of get over it and, uh, and give it a shot is just not do it once, like you said, not do it a couple of times, but just like five minutes a day. Um, but I've used it in, in various ways, and, and it always shows up differently, meditation, in my own life. But how, how do you do it? Is it in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? Is it still in that hour chunk, or is it split up? Uh, for me, I think because I've been doing it a long time, um, sometimes I'll just go into meditation anytime I need it. But I do a solid block at night, and I have been experimenting with American Indian journeying, oh, which wow. is yeah. basically yeah, it's really. And I I feel very I feel a synergy with American Indian culture because the island I grew up on was a, a like a sacred like their version of a church where they oh, used wow. to hold sacred yeah, ceremonies sure. and we used to find arrowheads all over the place. Cool. So journeying's really cool. Um, and I do different styles of meditation based on what I need at the time. So I kind of do it intuitively. Obviously, I'm always doing non-directive because that's the one to me that's really healing. Mm-hmm. And journeying is not non-directive. When you journey in the American Indian tradition, it's kind of like dreaming when you're awake. And at first you, you create the story. So you have kind of buddies or spirits guides, and you can make this up. This is about using your own creative imagination. And this is a lot of what Carl Jung used to do. So the idea of like, you have a character, so it could be like men do this very naturally, by the way. And I noticed on your website, you had the wolf and the wolf is one of my spirit guides. So I was like, wolf, yes. 
So you may connect with certain, and you know, it could just be a person from your life that kind of comes to you in a vision, or it could be somebody who's passed. It could be an animal. In my case, it's an animal. It's wolf and bat. And wolf is about leadership and bat is about community. So I start to meditate and I imagine a tree and I go inside the tree. And this is just kind of a symbol of you going into your own subconscious. But when you get into that subconscious realm, and you have to be in a very meditative state. So I meditate a little bit first, non-directive, no thinking. And then I visualize this. And then you'll start to see your spirit guides will pop up and they'll take you on a little adventure. At first, you'll be making it until you, you know, faking it until you make it. And then later on, the story will just happen to you like you're watching a dream and they'll show you things. So one time the bat was like showing me like, look, my bat friends are hanging out in a tree and I was watching them. It was at night. It was very peaceful. There was the moon. They were just having a blast hanging out. And what I realized was I had been working myself to death hmm. It's time to hang out with my friends and relax. So that message to me was invite your friends over, get your PJs on. Netflix and chill, you know, so they'll, they'll show you different things. And this is a more advanced form of meditation, but it's very good for people that are hyper creatives and also people that are a types like myself that are very driven because sometimes you need to give the mind what Buddhists call the monkey mind, something to do to have these kind of messages from the divine. And sometimes I think they're just messages from your own body. Yeah. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Calm down. Like, go hang out with your bat friends now. <laughs> my dad went on a spiritual journey. He told me this story years ago. He went on one with my mom, who's definitely much more woo than my dad. Although he's getting a little more woo as time goes on. He said, I went on a spiritual journey and all I saw was a dang crow. <laughs> Wow, crow is a symbol of alchemical transformation. I know, it's amazing, right? I just thought it was hilarious how like bitter he was about it when he said it then. But now he realizes that it's a bit cooler, I think. Yeah, I mean, think about crow in um, Game of Thrones. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, um, Star Wars, these are all examples to us of how we can be the hero in our own journey and how we can turn our own crappy lead to gold. This is what these myths are telling us. And this idea of aligning yourself with spirit animals or crystals or gurus or whatever it is, this is just a way for us to process what's going on in, in the mind and in the spirit, because these are very complex things for us to wrap our little pea-sized brains around. So this is why we have these. And neither one is right or wrong. It's whatever works for you, whatever system. And it's interesting because in Hinduism, they say there are many paths to God. Mm -hmm. But God and spiritual practice is just, you know, you can connecting with the divine and, you know, getting back to what you said about meditation. When I meditate, I feel like I'm in my mother's womb. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want yeah. to go back to be a baby with nothing to do, hanging out in the fluid, chilling out, feeling loved and feeling warm and safe? And when you get into regular meditation, you go back to that place and you have that time and you get a break from all the craziness, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. Man, we could we could definitely talk all day, but we're almost out of time. So um, before we go, can you please tell folks a little bit more about your new book and where they can find you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have a great new book coming out. Uh, it's already on Amazon. Superfoodalchemy.com is where you can find it. And really, to me, it's the culmination of all the work I've done. In Superfood Alchemy, you're going to heal yourself going through all the energy centers up through the chakras. But I really explain to you that balance of the body, the emotions, and the mind, and what I do in my coaching practice. And what's great is on the website, I also have a 10-part free video series, so you guys can start right away. I have tips on meditation, crystals, healing foods, and herbalism. So even if you don't get the book, you can grab the free video series. I love it. Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been so much fun. Gosh, it's been such an honor. Thank you so much. Hey there, listener. Thanks so much for listening to the very end of this episode. As a special bonus, I'm including a new original song that I made up just for you live on the spot as part of my new improv music video series. I hope you like it. You can check out hundreds of these original songs and more for free at ablejames.com. Here we go.
This episode is brought to you by Wild Superfoods. Big news. After three plus years of nonstop tasting and testing, our brand new real food health supplements from Wild Superfoods are finally ready for you. Now, what does wild mean anyway? Well, we work with the laws of nature, not against them. We avoid anything artificial, genetically modified, or overly processed. Whether you need real food nutrition from fruits, veggies, and stress-fighting adaptogens in future greens, vitamins from vitamin D stack, balanced omegas in mega omegas, or immune-boosting probiotics in probiotic spheres, we have got you covered. Our shelf-stable nutraceuticals are of uncompromising quality, and they're convenient options for traveling, camping, emergency and disaster preparedness, as well as daily supplementation for optimal health. At Wild Superfoods, each of our products is lab-tested for purity and potency and formulated according to the latest cutting-edge developments in research, science, and medicine. Guaranteed nutrition no matter where you are. That's our promise to you, and we look forward to hearing how you like Wild Superfoods. And as a listener of Fat-Burning Man, you can save over 80 bucks on a one-time purchase or save over $128 when you select subscribe and save. On top of that, you'll get free access to our coaching and meal planning community, the Fat-Burning Tribe, which is normally $27 a month. All you have to do is head on over to wildsuperfoods.com. All you have to do, type it in right now into that menu bar on your phone, tablet, computer, or anything else, VR goggles you might be using right now. Just check out wildsuperfoods.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you there. Well, hey there, listener. This is Abel one more time, and I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Fat-Burning Man Show. If you liked it, don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you might be listening to or watching this show right now. And if you have a second, please leave me a quick review for the Fat-Burning Man Show. I read every single one of them, and every time you leave a review, it gives us a little boost in the rankings, and that helps other people find this show. And if you can think of someone else who might enjoy and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or a family member. And if they're like, what is this fat-burning man thing? That's a really silly name. You could be like, you're right, but here's the deal. We've recorded over 250 episodes of the Fat-Burning Man Show with thought leaders in health from all over the world. And so far, we've won four awards, hitting number one in health in more than eight countries internationally. We have more than 30 million downloads already, but we're just getting started. I can't believe any of this, by the way, and couldn't do any of this without you. So thanks once again. But here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode of the Fat-Burning Man Show for free with zero outside advertisements, no outside sponsors, and no corporate overlords. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. We'll give you a, a second here just to type it in. And you'll get all the show notes, transcripts, and video and audio versions for all the past episodes of the Fat-Burning Man Show for free. Better yet, Enter your email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide so you can take your health into your own hands right now, along with a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now 
Enter your best email to get your free goodies with a bonus surprise straight to your inbox. This is Abel James signing off. Thank you so much for listening once again and have a great week.